Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weird Tales podcast. My name is Tycho Alhambra. Thank you for listening. If this is your first episode, welcome. We're happy to have you here regardless of your race, sexual orientation, or gender identity. The Weird Tales podcast believes that trans rights are human rights, that abortion is health care, and that black lives matter, and we stand in solidarity with you all. Transcripts of the show, as well as links to institutions fighting for reproductive justice, can all be found in the show notes. Owing to a miscalculation of how many Mondays are in this month, this is the third episode you're getting today. Unless you're listening a day early on Patreon, then it's not. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed Frankenstein. It was an honor to bring it to you. As promised last week, I am sore and fatigued from my vaccination shots this morning, so I'm extra glad I took the time to make this a shorter episode. This episode, by the way, is part two of the story started last week by D. Clifford Owens. If you're a new or upcoming weird fiction writer and you would like to have your work on the show, I'd be happy to consider it. Drop me a line at theweirdtalespodcast at gmail.com and we'll talk about it. Just by way of a glimpse into the future, 2023 is going to be a big year for the show. I've got a plan to branch it out to other things and I'm very excited about working on it. It'll be a lot of work and a lot of responsibility, but more on that as the year draws to a close. Lastly, the Colin Malatrap Museum of Curious Oddities and Strange Antiquities is available for purchase. This is my debut collection of weird fiction, and you can find it on Amazon. Audiobook coming soon. I've even gotten a review for it. Five stars. So you know it's good. Please go and check it out. Pick up a copy. I'm really proud of it, and I know you'll love it. Link to that in the show notes. Other than that, on with the show. Part 4. Darkness. Darkness has, unfortunately, become another of the overused words in the oft-constrictive and most common forms of the English language. Being as it is the case, I will still try to explain what being on a crumbling and ancient spiraling staircase with tiny steps is like, with the total and complete lack of any visual sensation possible. There was something very sinister of the senses going on here on so many levels. I, I can't possibly explain even half of them. But know that even in time, my now dilated pupils could still only see one thing. Complete and utter darkness. A void. A void of all light. A void of all goodness or hope. A void of all nature and even life. You can see when they say, avoid this or that, they mean it. But seriously, it was as if I was completely blind. Using my hands to carefully keep myself from falling, I made my way downward along the maddening spiral path into the abyss of hell. Keep going, I said to myself over and over, and my youthful stubbornness prevailed for a very long time. After what must have been hours of this, I started to feel the stones and the walls and beneath my feet become wet as the air became more and more hot and humid, and there seemed to be a decaying of the crumbling stones all around. Just as I was about to quit and go back to save myself, boom! With a sudden thump of strong hands upon my chest, I was snatched up. I lost my footing and was about to fall forever and ever into the pit of all pits when I was grabbed and thrown down into a strange cavern carved in the side of this bizarre ancient hellhole. The berobed man, or what I loosely refer to as a male homo sapien-like being that stood in front of me, was as unique a specimen of man as I have yet to come across and think I ever will. At six and a half feet tall myself, I understand tallness. 
But this man made even me feel short, with the longest, darkest, and most straggliest beard, and redefining the definition of dark eyes, deeply set into the skull, with baggy yet tight white skin pooled across his face like a ghoul that had seen a much more than average lifetime. He suddenly barked out strange words. Nay, niat, to aini, to aich. I could tell it was something negative, and he motioned me to go back, but to hell with that. Nay, he said, and pointed away from me. He turned his back. It was only then that I realized my surprising surroundings. There were many little candles around the room that was so very dimly lit, but not where I was. I was on the dirty and dusty floor with five big candles surrounding me. I looked closer and realized there was a circle of blood on the ground. Strange symbols had been carved into the earth all around, thousands and thousands of symbols. There were so many and so strange and ornate and particular signs that no one single man could have possibly created them all. I pushed past my fear as I finally caught a glimpse of what I assumed was the very prize I had searched for so long and hard, and it was finally within my grasp. I must have it. I must have that book. I must have the Neurotimus Vilnius. He suddenly twirled back and understood that I knew perfectly well the most dangerous thing on earth was clearly what I came for. His eyes suddenly lit up with a different feel as he leaned in close. With zero effort, he took up my muscular, solid, young 6'6", 200 pounds of muscle and tossed me into the center of the circle of blood and candles. As he muttered, I swear he was able to somehow make the candles burn brighter. As the light burned harder and started to fill the small room, I could feel the heat of five roaring fireplaces all around me. For him, it seemed to make no difference as he suddenly stood very tall and pointed down at me as if saying, No matter what happens, you stay here in the circle of protection. And then it started. He began to use his throat in a way like the Tibetan monks, and I could hear multiple timbers of depth, almost like chords. And yet he was also able to say things. And what strange things he said as his voice got louder and louder, slowly going from a whisper to a scream. Of course, I couldn't understand almost anything of what he was saying, but I knew strange things were definitely happening all around me. The air itself had changed. It was as if the air had become thick and almost like water, and air somehow mixed in a way most will never see. A very unnatural, unreal, unearthly feeling was definitely taking over all my senses. There was now a definite change of pressure, and my eyes could detect something very peculiar in the strange bending of light waves, a redness in the air I will never fully comprehend. And then it happened. I could hear something. Part 5 The sound. Something was different now. Very different. Very different from anything my ears have ever heard. I could tell whatever it was was very far away, but it was beyond massive and definitely coming this way. I could tell it was coming from the depths of the earth somewhere humans have yet to know anything about. A buzzing madness, a colossal vastness, a violent, hungry, rage-filled evil energy of something that was angrily awakened and coming this way quickly. The shaman stood before me, quivering all over as he kept up his wicked, nefarious chanting as he evoked some archaic evil that existed far before the likes of humankind. 
As he did, the flames grew higher and the heat much stronger, and I remember starting to feel dizzy. But even as I faded into some spell, I still knew. The earth had lost its gravitational grip on me for the first time in my life. Oh, God, help me, I prayed as I started to rise above the ground. I hovered, with my body gyrating slowly in all directions against my will. There was a good six or seven feet between my body and the ground for no reason I yet understand. I was shaking badly all over as if I was having a grand mal seizure. Before long, I realized something much more sinister. The evil sound of what was coming had almost arrived. The cacophony of madness and chaos was a combination of so very many things. It had depth, like the deepest, loudest, most unearthly bass note ever struck. Something so large and serpentine was drilling its way from the center of the earth, it seemed. And as I know, there are many senses, and things that will always be out of the grasp of human senses, like the frequency of the dog's whistle or the ultraviolet light we cannot see, but charm the honeybees to the flower's pestle for fertilization. Yet somehow, with all my training, and straining my ears to understand that which I could not yet see, beginning to show itself at the edge of the cavern in that never-ending hell-hole abyss, I knew it to be the sound of a great many things. A horde. A school. A swarm. Yes, an angry, absolutely gigantic swarm of something evil. I knew that the beating of wings was definitely involved. So many millions of beating wings. Then there was the most upsetting and unsettling detail of the sound. As a young man, I had of course read the classics, and I recalled a story in ancient Greek literature of how some poor men on this planet had somehow survived the call of the sirens and were able to live to tell the tale. But I, my friends, understand this, too because that was precisely the strangest of the strange frequencies of sound that was happening. Something with the same shape and throat and mouth and chest resonating chambers of the female human species was singing out so gloriously. Imagine the greatest operatic soprano vocal talents ever mixed. Now try to imagine a million, perhaps a billion of them all singing out in unison. A power of sounds like this is impossible to imagine. For me, it is the most beautiful thing I have ever encountered or ever will, mixed in with something of a bewitching evil that would need to be experienced personally to fully comprehend. I can tell you this. I know I needed to answer that call. Every cell in my body was screaming for me to sacrifice life and limb, anything to be able to immerse myself 100% fully to the bizarre swarm of what must have been a creature that mixed some form of bat and large serpent with beautiful human girls. And I kept saying to myself over and over, yes, yes, beautiful, hungry goddesses, take me, take my flesh, rip out my beating heart and bite it. Take every ounce of flesh and greedily tear it all off with your pretty gleaming teeth. Oh, how I love it. Oh, how thankful I am to gift myself to you. My body, my soul, my everything. I finally understand the reason I have lived. Yes, please, take me. I beg of you, my dearest goddess, I will always pray to. Please, take my body and soul. I need you to. As the shaman's cursed voice rose to a scream, I started to lose consciousness. 
I fought it because I simply had to give myself to these goddess creatures that seemed to be coming to me, to greedily devour my soul. I couldn't understand much of what he said until the end. I think I remember a few strange names uttered. Yah, Yah, Osiris! Yah, Yah, Sobek un Amen Ra! Yah, Yah, Nathalept! Yah, Yah, Thesathuga! Yah, Yah, Shabnagareth! Yah, Yah, Yag Sathoth! And then, things get strange. Very strange. Time itself stopped. Not a single thing in the universe moved that I could see besides the lips of the mighty evil shaman. I know I stopped existing in the realm of the living in reality on this planet Earth as all humans would understand and know. I know that time was passing, however oddly, and I felt absolutely nothing at all. And the flames themselves all around me stopped moving and stayed in one frozen, stagnant position for what seemed like an hour. But somehow, a few unearthly things could go forth beyond the strange smell of complete stillness. The thunderous, raging horde still came forth, and the shaman's lips still moved. That's when my schoolboy studies of Latin finally were worthy of the time. I can clearly remember him say, En el nombre del diablo, molestare monstrositoro! Then louder, En el nombre del diablo, molestare monstrositoro! Then louder still, En el nombre del diablo, molestare monstrositoro! Then as loudly as he possibly could, En el nombre del diablo, molestare monstrositoro! I believe the crude attempt of translation to modern English would be something akin to, In the name of the devil, let us molesterate the monster. Over and over again, louder and louder, he chanted and screamed. The flames suddenly came back to life again, burning higher and hotter, and the sound of the giant swarm of what I can only imagine to be winged she-devils singing out to steal my soul, and what I can only imagine as the most gigantic, worm-like, serpentine creature that has ever existed or could, right behind them, forcing them onward. And I could finally, just barely maybe, see some of the fluttering chaos from the corner of my eyes. I... I... I must have passed out, or have finally given in to the possession of some ancient deity. I did not fully know or pretend to know what really happened to me when I was unconscious. I have no idea how long or exactly what happened. But I know it was long enough that when I awoke, the most blessed and most merciful light from the sun was at high noon, and that meant that the dimmest bit had made it to just within the wavelength of my eyes. There was one slight but strong enough beam of light casting itself upon the prize of all prizes, an ancient, centuries-old copy of the Neurodimus Velnius. The cover of the book was so odd and shiver-inducing. It was definitely made of skin, very possibly human skin, and there were burn marks and blood on the sides and bindings. One could tell in an instant that this most archaic and ancient of all books had been through much, and so had anyone who had dared to come in contact with it. But I was happy, 
Maybe because I'm no good. Regardless, somehow I knew finally it all worked out. What I hadn't realized until this moment was how obliterated my physical body and mind were. I was a mess. I was in a puddle of so many fluids and filth it was hard to understand. I knew much blood had spilled from my ears, and I could feel a lot of sticky saliva and oozy discharge of what or whom I don't exactly know, but it was all over me, and I had soiled myself. I woke up from what had happened in such a state of defilement. It's true I urinated and defecated myself and bled profusely and was covered in unknown fluids. I still have nightmares to ponder. But I was alive. I made it. I am alive, and I have the book. I am in control of the Neurotimus Velnius. All of the power in the multiverse is finally mine. All mine. Part 6 In the end, it turned out that Yuri and his henchmen were actually pretty good guys after all. Thank goodness. I owe them my life that they stayed. They drove me back to town, and I'll be damned if the night of drinking those unusual, bitter, yet delicious, very strong-proof spirits loosened my tongue, and I told them what happened. Yuri translated the best he could, and their eyes got big, so I know they understood parts. Then again, I should have known they knew all the possibilities when they refused to go down with me. Regardless of all that, in the end, I made it back. But in all honesty, after what happened, I hid the cursed grimoire of the most ancient and forbidden wisdom and spells. I can only hope it never gets into the wrong hands and unleashes that soul-eating swarm of she-devils onto this world. Beware, world. Beware, humanity. Beware, universe. Beware, multiverse. Some things I still ponder about. Am I mad? Did it all happen for real like I think? Or only in my broken mind? Am I the keeper of the book like the ancient cursed shaman and in time will his fate be my destiny? Do they know where I am? What will happen if the wrong person or people find this book? What exactly were they? Is it wrong of me to pray that one day they will finally find me and feast upon me and free me? What was that gigantic serpentine devil monster? What was it that destroyed the ancient temple? Who made the giant temple that was destroyed? Was it the abyss? Is it a gateway to... Or is it different levels of hell itself? It goes on and on and on and on. So many questions. So little certainty. But one thing is certain. I can never, never, never stop hearing the deep, buzzing, unearthly, maddening sound of those beautiful, demonic, female creature goddesses singing to me.
insisting I let them feast upon my everything. For that is the sound that haunts my soul forevermore. And that is the end of the story. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show and want to help support it, please feel free to join me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Every dollar goes back into the show and is used to pay for things like hosting fees, guest readers, and the giant money vault of golden coins I dive into and swim around in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and alternating Fridays. Thanks to John McDonough, David Ricker, and Melissa Boudreaux for your support. Please go and pick up a copy of Colin Malatrat. Leave a rating and a review if you did. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Please go and get vaccinated for whatever you are eligible for. I got a COVID booster and my flu shot today, and neither of them hurt. If you see a racist or really any type of bigot out and about and doing a bigotry, make their life deeply uncomfortable. And if you see anyone dressed in a Nazi costume, sock them in the jaw. It's what Captain America and Mr. Rogers would do, and you don't want to disappoint either of them, do you? And always remember that the most important step a person can take is always the next one. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.